Welcome into another episode of the Ebony Bird Podcast. I'm your host, Jake McDonald. I know I said last week there was going to be no podcast this week. I do apologize. I did not mean to lie. But just from watching the conference championships, especially the NFC Championship this weekend, in Bloomsburg, where I go to school, there are a lot, lot of Eagles fans. It's majority Eagles fans that were, were close to Philly more than any other city. A lot of people come up here from back home down there. So uh, there's obviously a big following here. And after the Eagles won, I was live streaming at the bars downtown. I was talking to people. It was nuts. And I said to myself, I got to talk football this week no matter what. So we're going to do a little bit of a shorter episode because it's just going to be solely on the playoffs of two conference championships. We're going to hold off until next week to talk about the Super Bowl. But I wanted to have our two site experts, Chris Schistler and Joe Schiller, on from Ebony Bird Podcast. Uh, to talk about what happened this past Sunday, as we now know the picture for the Super Bowl 52 for Minneapolis. So before we get started, I'm host Jake McDonald. You can find me on Twitter at jmcdonald95. Like I said, Chris Schistler at footballman58 on Twitter. Joe Schiller is at Joe Schiller with two R's. We, of course, are the official fan-sided uh, website for the Baltimore Ravens, coming to you from ebonybird.com, ebony underscore bird on Twitter. And like always, this is coming to you through iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. It's been... A busy week for me. This is my first week recording the podcast back at school, back in the trailer. That's right. I've said it on the podcast before. I do live in a trailer at school. I wear that badge of honor with pride. I have had people call my trailer an apartment or a little small house before. Don't give me the, the higher social class than I actually am. It is a trailer. Let's get it right. So moving on now on the Ebony Bird podcast. So fellas, let's just get right into it. Um, looking at the Super Bowl now without going into any picks. How are we liking how the game turned out uh, with between the Patriots and the Eagles, the matchup? Well, I really like the matchup because I didn't expect the Eagles to do what they've done every step of the way. I didn't think the Eagles would get here. They proved me wrong. Uh, if I mean, Nick Foles looks a lot better than I gave him credit for. The Eagles' defense we knew was good, but, you know, the offense is stepping up without Carson Wentz. That's fun. And with the Patriots, I mean, they have a chance for their sixth Super Bowl victory. So I hate to say it, but, I mean, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And it's a nice rematch of Eagles-Patriots. So maybe maybe we'll see a different result this time. Maybe we won't. But you know what? We're going to tune in on Super Sunday and figure out what's going to go down. Yeah, you couldn't have asked for, like, a better storyline on either side. I mean, you have Brady and Belichick going for the six. And you have the Eagles, who are pretty much counted out coming into the playoffs with Carson Wentz's ACL. Underdogs in both their home games, you know, bringing out the dog masks and everything, looking for their first Super Bowl. And somehow this guy, Nick Foles, has seemingly led them to that in their one win away from that. It's just absolutely crazy. It's been a great story. I mean, for the fact that they crushed the Vikings and now are in the Super Bowl, have the chance to upset Tom Brady. And I think if Nick Foles does that, the Rat Holt, um, Football world's going to go crazy. I mean, that would be insane. But, um, yeah, I think in terms of storyline, that could have been the best thing because as much as I wanted the Jaguars to win, seeing a Blake Bortles, Nick Foles Super Bowl is just not good for the ratings. And absolutely so. Before we get – well, actually, a little note that came out today, the Patriots will be wearing their white uniforms in the Super Bowl. And if you look back, uh, 12 out of the last 13 Super Bowl winners were wearing their white jerseys. So they certainly – I don't know if they did that based on that reason – they swap every year uh, between the AFC and NFC who gets to choose the uniform in the Super Bowl. This year it was the Patriots. They elected to wear white. Uh, so moving on now, the Patriots beating the Jaguars 24-20 to in the AFC Championship early on Sunday. 
you know, I thought that, you know, the Patriots did score first. They got a field goal, but then Jacksonville got two touchdowns, put a nice 14 to three lead on the board, but they really got too, like, conservative, really, in the second half, limited to six points. And we really saw, I saw the Patriots defense really scheme up Blake Bortles. They figured out what he was doing early. They limited his running ability, and they just outsmarted him, which really I was expecting the entire time. Bortles, as overall, went 23 for 36 for 293 and a touchdown. Brady, 26 for 38, 290 yards and two touchdowns. Danny Amendola had two touchdown receptions, seven uh, for 84 yards overall. Like I was saying all along, and like I'll keep saying this week and next week, Brady's thumb is not an issue like we expected all along. Yes, he did wear the protective tape, but really not big of a deal. Interesting tidbit here, the Jags dominated the time of possession battle, 35-08 to 24-52. And the Patriots only had one penalty called against them. The Jags had six, uh, including... Well, the six went for 98 yards altogether, but that included a 32-yard pass interference call on A.J. Boyer that led to a touchdown, Patriots touchdown two plays later. And I couldn't help but notice the referees, uh, number 34, don't know his name, seeing um, on the field hugging Brady immediately after the game ended. I'm not saying there's a referee conspiracy, but there were a lot of calls that went the Patriots' way. And, of course, you know, I don't think that there's a conspiracy theory, but there are a lot of people based on the Patriots' success. And, there, you know, we could talk about the Robert Kraft relationship with Roger Goodell. There's some people saying there are conspiracy theories. And certainly when you see a referee hugging Tom Brady on the field after the game, that certainly doesn't look like the greatest. But Tom Brady is the best quarterback of all time, and the referee could simply be congratulating him on reaching his eighth Super Bowl and being one of the best ever. So we'll go to Joe and Chris. Focusing particularly on the Patriots game, just some thoughts and takeaways from the AFC Championship. Jaguars came out with the perfect blueprint. I mean, it's what we've seen teams playoffs who beat Tom Brady in the past do, dominate the ground game, dominate the time possession, and really send uh, four pass rushers and get the break. And that's exactly what the Jacksonville Jaguars were doing, and they had a lot of success in the first half. That's why you saw them dominating. Yeah, like you said, the, cons- the conservative play calling in the second half is what killed them. I mean, when you're a team like that, Against Tom Brady, you can't let your foot off the gas pedal. And I hated that they need the ball with 55 seconds left in the first half. I thought they could have at least tried to go down and get a field goal or something. I mean, at least have the momentum going. I know they were going to get the ball starting the second half. But why not just continue to try to pour it on the Patriots? They're having so much success earlier in the game. And I get it if you're not having that success. But Blake Bortles was seemingly carving that secondary part in Leonard Fournette. And um, the run game were doing really well. So I was really surprised that Doug Marone – um, did that, but then again, that comes with an experience. You know, the Jaguars' first time in the playoffs in a very long time to get to that position against a quarterback and head coach who pretty much get there every year with their eyes closed. So, I mean, a lot of inexperience on the Jags' part. It is the first step of what's probably going to be a very special team, though, coming for years to come. I mean, they have so many weapons set up, especially with Fournette. That entire defense, Boyer and Ramsey, are definitely the top two um, cornerback tandem in the league. They're both just incredible. Um, but, yeah, the Patriots in the end won this game. You can, I mean, there were some questionable calls. I didn't like the P.I. on Bouye um, early in the first half. I thought he did a good job of boxing receiver out. It is what it is. I mean, calls go either way. But in the end, the Patriots outsmarted him, and Bill Belichick does what he does best and makes second-half adjustments, and that's why the Patriots are in the Super Bowl. Yeah, the P.I. on uh, Bouye, uh, I actually thought it could have been offense pass interference. I thought – I, I hate when that happens because it's, it kind of goes against the spirit of the role. Brady threw it up specifically uncatchable, and so he gets a penalty. And I, I don't understand why that was a penalty. 
And the fact that every penalty seemed to go against the Jaguars, that's a problem. Um, it's not a problem. I don't think there's a conspiracy. But I do think that the referees just seem to have a bias towards New England. I don't think – I don't even know if it's conscious. I just think it's almost like they have a relationship with the uh, Patriots because they've called so many playoff games and so many Super Bowls. I, I don't know what the deal is, but that was not a fairly called game. The Jaguars lost this game on their own, though. You look at the Jaguars. We talk about how the Ravens go in there and with no fear and and they don't care and, you know, that they're the Patriots. Well, the Jaguars tightened up, and they, all of a sudden, this team that was punching was getting punched. They were tentative. They they did Their play calling changed. And I agree with everything Joe said about the half. What I think it did is I think it sent a message to the Jaguars' offense that they couldn't get the job done. And I think that was it. I think psychologically that favored the the Patriots. I will say that the Patriots winning without Rob Gronkowski for a lot of this game was huge because that was something we weren't sure they could do this year. And that was huge. And credit Edelman – credit Brandon Cooks and Tom Brady being the GOAT. I mean, you say whatever you want about Tom Brady and his little uh, avocado ice cream. He's the greatest quarterback I've ever seen, and he's adding to his resume. Uh, It was a frustrating game because I thought the Jaguars could have had it, and I I think could have had it is the worst feeling in sports. So Jacksonville feels it the way we did in 2011. But, man, that was a great game, and we have to appreciate that it was a great game. There was no conspiracy, but the referees weren't exactly calling an even game. This is the Ebony Bird Podcast, of course, the official fan-sided Baltimore Ravens website and podcast brought to you by both Ebony Bird and Fansided. We bring you complete Ravens coverage courtesy of the Fansided Network. Before we recap the NFC Championship game, I want to remind everyone to download the Ebony Bird app from the App Store. Some of the latest articles you can find on there, not only on our website, but your mobile device through the app. Top 5 offensive tackle prospects for the Ravens. Uh, Chris wrote that one. Ravens fans must have patience and let Ozzy work uh, by Connor Brooks. Again, he is Connor underscore Brooks 14 on Twitter, and we want to thank him again for filling in for Joe last week on the podcast. And Joe had one recently. ESPN projects the Ravens 2018 over-under win total at 9, so they think that they're going to finish with the... Same exact record this year, and as we go into the Eagles game, beating the Vikings 38-7, to the Vikings actually scored right away and then died a quick death, 38 unanswered points. Case Keenum uh, was finally exposed, throwing two interceptions, including a pick six to Malcolm Jenkins, I believe. I could be wrong, but I believe it was him. Foles was 26-33 of 33 for 352, three touchdowns and a 95.8 passer rating, proving that you do not need a franchise quarterback to get to the Super Bowl, albeit... The Eagles do have a very talented roster, including former Ravens Torrey Smith, Darnell Ellerby, Corey Graham. There are a lot of former Ravens playing in the Super Bowl, and there are even some on the uh, the Patriots as well in Lawrence Guy. And there's one more, is there not? There's one. There's Tim five. Jernigan. There we go. There's the fifth one that I was forgetting on the on the Eagles. But again. The Eagles have this Team of Destiny vibe to them. Overcoming injuries doesn't matter to linebacker Jordan Hicks, uh, offensive tackle Jason Peters, Carson Wentz, the uh, franchise quarterback of the future, running back Darren Sproles, and they just keep winning. Aside from the two weeks at the end of the regular season when they had to adjust their offense with Foles, their offense, they've adjusted to it and looks a lot better, and really in the playoffs, especially this past week, has proved to be a 
force to be reckoned with. And really, the Vikings' defense is much better than the Patriots' defense, which is an interesting matchup for the Super Bowl. But I'm not Team Philly. I, I, I'm not, you know, cheesesteaks and all that. I will always be crab cakes and natty bows. That's how I was born and raised in Baltimore. That's how I will always roll. But it has been, you know, as somebody who's looking to enter the sports journalism field, just really interesting to and fun to be around a bunch of Eagles fans looking to chase their first ever uh, Lombardi trophy. And I do have a couple of friends in my major who want to do similar things that I do that are also Eagles fans that are talking about going to Philadelphia for the Super Bowl. And I'm actually considering going along with them to just capture some of the reactions, win or lose, and throw them up on social media. I will talk about more of that, more of that next week if, it, if that does come to fruition. But and I do want to also mention my roommate, who's I put this on social media, who's one of the only people in the world probably that has a Nick Foles Rams jersey. He left his Eagles Nick Foles jersey at home, um, so he had to stick with the with the Rams one. But that jersey is currently hanging up in my living room and is staying up until the Super Bowl. Um, and I have to I I've said this on social media, but I give him a lot of credit. You know, he criticized the Eagles, and this was partially Chip Kelly too, his his fault. But they got rid of uh, Foles after the 2014 season. And, he, you know, my roommates always was hard on that. And it really just seems to be coming full circle because you would have never expected Nick Foles to be starting the Super Bowl for the Eagles this year. But just due to injury, that's how it's going. So are you guys, I mean, coming off of, the, of this game, before we, we talk about, you know, what's going to happen next week in the game, I guess none of us were expecting 38-7. to 7. I certainly wasn't. No, I I wasn't either, Jake. And I, I, I said it on Twitter uh, after the game, I said, you know, if you told me that the Eagles defense would really give the Vikings trouble, I would have believed you. Uh, if you told me Nick Foles was making plays down the field, they were shoving it down the Vikings' throat without mercy and dominating the Vikings, I wouldn't have believed you for a second. I thought the Vikings had the best defense in the NFL. I thought they were better than the Jaguars in terms of defense. Um, I still kind of do. I think the Vikings came out and got punched in the mouth, and they didn't know how to respond. When things were going well, they thought they were going to the Super Bowl, and they got shocked. I, I, I just, I can't believe it. It's this was one of the most unpredictable games I've ever seen. I, I could not have imagined it. But that shows you two things. It shows you how important home field in the playoffs is, and it shows you how important the bye week was for the Eagles. If they if they had to play the, with the way they were in the last couple of weeks of the final season, I, I, I don't know if they would have gotten here. But if, if they had to play the wild card round, I don't know if they would have gotten here. But they figured it out. They put things together. Give Doug Pearson a credit because he did something I – that against him the entire way, and he did it. Yeah, the Eagles were incredible. I don't even think Eagles fans were expecting this kind of game. They just dominated in the trenches on both sides of the ball. I mean, the Vikings have, like Chris said, probably one of the better front sevens in the NFL, and the Eagles off the line just destroyed them with pushing them back. And on the other side, the front seven got to Case Keenum and really just made him look like the backup quarterback he was before the start of the season. They just absolutely dominated and Foles was incredible. I mean, 342 yards and three touchdowns, no turnovers. I mean, if you would have told me he would have had that style line before the game, I would have thought you would have. I thought you were ridiculous. I mean, I think everyone would have. That's you just would never have thought that with Nick Foles, especially the way he played the game before against Falcons. But I think the thing that really speaks to 
in the front office is their ability to surround whoever is under center with weapons. I mean, look at their run, look at their run game. Jay Ajayi, LeGarrette Blount, Corey Clement, three great running backs. Zach Ertz in the passing game, Alshon Jeffrey, Torrey Smith, Elson Aguilar. I mean, they have so many weapons. And this is a team that really didn't have a good receiving core like two years ago. It was like Jordan Matthews and a couple other guys that was no names. They were I probably had what the Ravens had this year, and they turned it around. Were patient with some guys in the draft. Got Alshon Jeffrey, got Torrey Smith in free agency. And they're good. I mean, they have a lot of good weapons. And I think watching these playoffs really shows you how important a playmaking tight end is and how much the Ravens really do lack it because Ertz was just falling on the Vikings secondary. I mean, he had some huge catches. I think there was one flash again he was covered. Maybe Troy, maybe he was going against Trey Reigns, but he pulled a double move on him and just was wide open. I mean, he had such a good game. And, I mean, I don't think um, if it, it could have been any quarterback under center with the way those weapons are. I mean, Vic Foles was great. But they're not home next week. It kind of felt like they celebrated their Super Bowl right there, and I get it because you haven't been there in a while. But watching the reaction of how the Patriots responded, Bill Belichick doesn't even want the AFC Championship trophy, just passed it along. Like, it's going to be an interesting situation to see how this plays out with the Patriots being the proven ones and the Eagles being the kind of team of destiny. So we'll see. Uh, moving on now on the Ebony Bird podcast, again, brought to you by Ebony Bird and Fansided. Again, I'm... Contributor Jake McDonald, you can find me on Twitter at jmcdonald95. Our two site experts, Chris Schiffler at footballman58 and Joe Schiller at Joe Schiller with two R's. Again, we are ebony underscore bird on Twitter. You can find us on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and check out all of our content at ebonybird.com. I'm a big follower of the Sims and Lefko podcast. I know I've, I've said this before on the podcast. I've had Adam Lefko on my podcast at Charm City Birdwatch before. I've reached out to him multiple times. He's actually from the same hometown in uh, Pennsylvania as my roommate. I highly encourage everybody. They've been doing all season long, like three episodes a week. There, it's almost like four hours of content every week. You can subscribe to the Sims and Lefko podcast on iTunes and Adam Lefko actually uploads all of the episodes to his YouTube channel as well. So you can see both Chris Sims and Adam Lefko in the studio doing, you know, you can see it visually, and then them interacting, and they throw up graphics and stuff. So, you know, even though it's a, technically a podcast, they do have a video version as well. You can follow them on Twitter as well. I highly encourage you to do that. But I just had to share this because I, I was listening to this, and the, the similarities between the 1990 New York Giants, where, of course, Phil Simms was the quarterback back then, of course, his son Chris Simms being one of the co-anchors on the Sims and Lefko podcast. So they talk about the Giants a lot, but... If you listen to the similarities between the 1990 New York Giants and the 2017 Philadelphia Eagles, it is absolutely incredible. I have a little bit of audio here that um, Adam's given me permission to use on the podcast, so I want to play that for you, and then we'll talk about it a little bit because I just think the parallels between these two teams are just unbelievable. Let's take a listen. 1990 Giants, Week 15, they had a young rural school quarterback drafted the top 10 that wore number 11, and he got hurt. He broke his foot. He broke his foot. <laughs> well, what do you know, the 2017 Eagles, top 10 pick at a small rural school that wears number 11, tears his ACL in the last few games of the year. Who did the Giants turn to? They turned to Jeff Hostetler, a third-round pick that was so frustrated with the game, he contemplated retirement that season. Right. Who did the Eagles turn to? A third-round pick in Nick Foles that was frustrated with the game and was contemplating retirement earlier that season. What did you know? <laughs> in the playoff games, this is what the Giants did. They blew out an NFC North team, and then they went on to beat the reigning NFC champions by scoring 15 points. 
the Philadelphia Eagles blew out an NFC North team and then also beat the NFC champions by scoring 15 points. <laughs> Crazy. Who did the Giants face in that Super Bowl? Ooh. Giants were an underdog that yep. faced an AFC East team that would play in four Super Bowls that decade. Right. In the Super Bowl, the Eagles are the underdog to an AFC East team that are playing in their fourth Super Bowl this decade. <laughs> Except they win their Super Bowls. Isn't it a like I know I know it's kind of a silly thing like I, it might not mean anything but there are literally like I have like six or seven bullet points here of similarities and Adam you know mentions more in the in the video but I like you can't make this stuff up you really can't. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, Eagles fans are gonna be so happy hearing this. Like it's just another thing to add to like that the, the team of destiny. I mean, with all these similarities, it is cool though. I mean, for someone to find something like that. And it's just very weird, especially with even the um, the wide right and all the stuff at the end. It's just crazy. But in the end, Tom Brady's on the other side of football. So that's going to be tough no matter what, if you're destiny or not. Yeah, this, it's almost eerie. It's it's almost off-settling. I'll say this right now. It's almost weird because the Eagles and the Giants are such bitter rivals. And it's happening the same way for them. It just, it feels, feels like the football guys are smiling, like they got something up their sleeve. Um, real, real fun story, real fun, real fun parallels. Let's see if history kind of repeats itself in a different uniform. There's all sorts of parallels here that are in favor of the Eagles, but then the uniform thing certainly favors the Patriots because they're going to be wearing their white jerseys. I know it means absolutely nothing, but it is a fact that 12 out of the last 13 teams that have won the Super Bowl, including the Ravens in 2012, both times the Ravens have won the Super Bowl, actually, they've worn their white jerseys, and of course the Patriots will be doing so. So we'll wrap things up here. Again, a little bit of a shorter version of the Ebony Bird podcast. We're going to come at you next week with a full Super Bowl preview. We'll dive into everything about the game as well as our picks. But before then, we uh, we have a week now, and of course the Pro Bowl coming up this weekend, which I know none of us will be watching. But <laughs> once again, uh, I'm Jake McDonald, contributor for Ebony Bird. Find me on Twitter at jmcdonald95, footballman58 for Chris and Joe Schiller with two R's for Joe. Ebony underscore Bird for the site account as well as ebonybird.com. Thanks again for listening, and we will talk to you next week to go over all things Super Bowl 52 in Minneapolis, Minnesota, between the Philadelphia Eagles and New England Patriots.